You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Yeah, we just finished our series entitled Rediscovering Christmas. And I'm sure that a lot of us here enjoyed the vacation, yes? Yes, a lot of us seem to have enjoyed the vacation a little too long, uh, we, but we are, we are really grateful. And more than just the rest that we had, of course, we are grateful because the true reason that we celebrate Christmas is the lives that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. So that is what we are thankful for, more than all the lights, more than all the parties, more than all the food, more than all the gifts that we received. What we are grateful for is the best gift, and that is the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that is what we learned in Rediscovering Christmas. Um, today we are on a series break. That's why I was actually given the upper hand, you know, to share whatever is in my heart. And I've been praying for quite some time now what to share today. And as I prepared yesterday, yes, it was a very busy vacation like you guys. So, you know, I, I kind of prepared a little late, but praise God for His grace. Um, before I prepared yesterday, I actually did a business dedication for a friend. And as I, I actually dedicated a newly renovated space in their building, and I was sharing to him and to his family how that building is a product not just of hard work, not just of the money that they invested. It is actually something to celebrate, something to be grateful for, something to be thankful to God for because it is a gift that came from Him. And apart from God, truly, we, there, we can never have anything good. So as I was sharing that message about Thanksgiving, it reminded me that I haven't started preparing my Thanksgiving post for the year. How many of you guys do that? You know, Thanksgiving post, uh, some people, you know, the younger ones do the best nine thing. So I kind of I do that. I uh, do a collage of nine different photos, and uh, those photos somehow represent my highlights for the year. And uh, I don't have a very good memory, so as I was going home, I was going through my camera roll to check what things I was grateful for, what events I was grateful for this year. And uh, I checked the first photo that I took for, uh, for this year, 2018, and this was the photo that came out. This was actually a family photo, our traditional family photo that we usually take on January 1st. So this was taken around 12.20 a.m., you know, as we welcome the new year. And that is something that I am thankful for, the gift of family. One more year, thankful for the gift of family. Not a lot. Looks like a lot of feuds happened. Huh? Uh, you know, I, I'm grateful for the gift of family. And the family, our family members are really the first people that God uses to show us His love, to allow us to experience His love. And, you know, as we grow up, they are actually the people that God uses the most as well to somehow point out the things in our character that we need to change, you know, with all the tension and stuff. But we love our family. I'm sure that a lot of us here somehow have that at least on the second, uh, on the top two of our Thanksgiving list, just second to God, of course. And I was, as I was scrolling, I saw that one another thing that I'm thankful for uh, with the family is that we got to travel to Japan this year. It has always been a dream of ours, actually my dream, to go to the Japan. I love Japanese food and I've always been hearing people saying, you know, the, the sushi and the, and the sashimi here, it's nothing compared to what they serve in Japan. And I found out this year that that is true. And as, as we went there, truly, it was a blessing because we have a cousin who actually owns a tour company. So when we went there, all we had to worry about was our um, airfare and uh, the place we had to stay there. Everything else was given to us for free. And the beautiful thing is that uh, we didn't really, we were praying that we would get to see the sakura or the cherry blossoms. We praise God because we caught the tail end of it. Half of the trees were still blooming, hence the beautiful picture. So I am grateful for that. And that is another thing that I'm grateful for this year, travel. Uh, I was able to go to uh, a number of countries, Japan. I was also able to visit Cambodia and Indonesia a couple of times. And uh, the beautiful thing about that is that my trips to Cambodia and Indonesia were not just for leisure. It was actually for ministry. We were invited here. Is, uh, here are the leaders in our church in Cambodia. Those are our, that's our pastor, Pastor Julius. And these are some of the youth leaders, locals there. And we got invited to minister in their youth camp. That This is the number of leaders that they have. So please do continue praying for these young men and women who are preaching the gospel there in Cambodia. So it's nice to travel ministry 
in ministry-related trips because somehow you get to enjoy the food, you get to enjoy the culture, you get to see new sites, and at the same time, you get to participate in the advancement of God's kingdom. You get to bless the nations. So that's always a good thing. I also traveled to Indonesia. Uh, I'm sure that you receive updates about this, that we are helping a certain church there. We are helping them in terms of discipleship, how to start up small groups, how to do one-on-one discipleship. And uh, I traveled there twice this year with two different and amazing teams. And the wonderful thing is that every time we travel, we get to meet a lot of new people as well. And as I meet new people, as I, I see different perspectives, I see different views, and I get to learn a lot of new things from them. So that's why I'm always thankful for that. And that's also something that I celebrate this year, the new friendships and new relationships that have been formed. Um, at work alone, I, uh, two people were added to our team. Uh, the guy in the blue suit, that's Desmond, and the guy in the leftmost corner, that's L.A. They are two people who were added to our team this year. They have different, you know, they think differently from the way I usually do, but they are gifted, they are talented, and they have beautiful hearts. That's why I learned a lot from them, not only work-wise, not only ministry-wise, but also when it comes to life. And uh, I'm thankful because I got to work with LA. Uh, Several years ago, I used to attend Victory Fort, and I used to attend his service. He was the pastor during that time, and we didn't really know each other, but he was one of the guys who really inspired me to serve God full-time. I always remember, you know, watching him preach with such passion, and I would say, I want to serve God as passionate as this man does. So I'm thankful that I got to work side by side with him. And uh, at the end of it, before he left, um, I'm thankful that we went beyond colleagues and we actually became really good friends. Uh, Another thing that I'm grateful for this year, new friends, uh, I've been trying to get back to the gym for the longest time, uh, for three years now. Who among you here have that problem? You know, you start January and... uh, Mid-January, you're nowhere to be found. (laughs) All right, so I've been trying to jumpstart that uh, part of my life, you know, getting healthy, getting back into shape. And I'm thankful that this year God plugged me into a community that motivates me and inspires me to, you know, live that healthy lifestyle. Uh, I was... uh, Uh, blessed to be part of this gym. They're actually here right now. So yeah, I'm thankful for them and I'm grateful because, you know, I used to have the hardest time waking up in the morning to work out. I know it's not the best thing to do in the morning, but you know, now I get to wake up early. I'm excited to work out and at the same time, I'm excited to see these people because they have somehow gone beyond, you know, just people I work out with to friends and actually family. So I am grateful for the new relationships and between all of those new relationships, and my old friends, there were a lot of things that we celebrated this year. We celebrated, you know, people getting married, people getting babies, people purchasing new houses, new cars, and of course, people celebrating their birthdays. We are always thankful for another year that uh, is added to our lives. And, you know, I would like to ask you guys personally, those are the things that I am thankful for. How about you guys? Why don't you think of one thing that you are thankful for this year? And please don't say God and family because of course that is already a given. So try to be as specific as possible. Think of one thing that you are grateful for. And quickly, briefly, without any explanation, without much chit-chat, can you just share it to the person next to you? You can say I'm thankful for the, you know, promotion that I got or for the 300 shoes I bought this year. Or for my boss, he doesn't shout that much anymore. What are you thankful for? So I see that, you know, it puts a smile on your faces. Some of you thought of one, but there are a lot of things that pass through your mind. There are really a lot of things that we can be grateful for this year. Do you agree? There are a lot of things, relationships, um, food and whatnot, promotions, work-wise, health, We can thank God for a lot of things. And as I was going through my camera roll, I saw one of the more recent pics that I took. Actually, this was taken just this week. This was our usual family Christmas family photo. And this is how it looked like. So it's it's different from the usual family photo that we have because one person is missing. And uh, for those of you who don't know, it's kind of fresh. Just last month, uh, we lost my brother to a six and a half month battle with cancer. So... I would say that uh, this is the biggest thing that happened to me this year. And this is probably why I'm having a hard time crafting that Thanksgiving post. 
Because the biggest thing that happened to my life is something that I, if I am not careful and without God's help, it is hard to thank God for this. And yeah, it's, it's really difficult and I've been, I, I've been really praying to God to help me throughout this situation because this, this unfortunate event can easily overshadow all of the things that I enumerated a while ago. It can easily define the way I view life. It can easily define the way I would end my year and start my year. And it got me thinking, you know, will I really end 2018 and start 2019 on a bad note? And as I was checking the photos of my friends as well, I saw that I was not the only one who experienced something like this. A guy in my group had to stop studying this year because of financial problems. He was almost graduating, but now he had to stop and he does not know when he will go back to school again. There's, there's someone I know who got kicked out of their house Christmas time because he got into an argument with his dad. I have a couple of friends who, you know, lost family members as well, lost dads, lost siblings. And it makes me think, is it possible to end this year filled with joy and thanksgiving in my heart? Is it possible to face the next year filled with hope, knowing that these are the things that we are going through and we have faced this year? Is this God's will for our lives? To be sad and lonely in this current moment, in this current season. And you know, I was praying to God and He somehow reminded me through a message from Paul that our joy, the way we view life, the way we go about life, and the way we look at God should not be dictated by our situations. It should never be dictated by our emotions. As we view life, we always view it through the lens of God, through the lens of His Word, through the lens of His promises. We should never allow our current situation to define or dictate, again, how we will go about life. And, you know, Paul reminds us of three things, three wonderful things that we can do to keep ourselves from, you know, being consumed by events like this to keep ourselves from slipping into self-pity and victim mentality. And today we will look at those verses and I pray that the way I was encouraged would be the same way that you would be encouraged. I pray that the same way that God helped direct the way I think not only for this season but as I approach the new year would be the same way that he would speak to you guys. So I'd like to invite everyone to open their Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. If you don't have a Bible... The new year is starting, so, you know, it's a nice uh, faith goal, you know, to start to finally have my own Bible, to read it, and to hear from God all the more. Um, I'd like to invite you to stand up, you know. Bibles, you can buy a paperback version. You can buy a physical Bible. You can also download it on your phones or your gadgets. It's free. But don't worry, I have been uh, blessed with so much grace this season that I put it on screen as well. So these are very short verses, but they are very powerful as we really not only know them, but live them out. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Can we just read that all together at the count of three? One, two, three. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful time, and we thank you for your presence in this place, not only in this place, but in our lives. Thank you that you, once again, as we look back at the past year, things that we are to be grateful for, you have proven to us how, how faithful you are. And even during through the rough times, we thank you that you held our hand and helped us through truly you have proven that you never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, I pray that as we continue to look at these verses, that the same way that you inspired and strengthened the Thessalonian church would be the same way that you, we would be strengthened and that these verses would not merely remain in our minds but really would sink down deep in our hearts. And I pray that you would give us the grace, you would give us that, um, that power to be able to leave, live these commandments out. Once again, we thank you for this time. Continue to transform us and bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. 
beautiful verse. These are actually some of my favorite verses. I always go back to it. And uh, yeah, th this is a, a short excerpt from our letter that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Thessalonica is one of the major cities way back back. Uh, it was a major city of Macedonia. And they were a very prosperous city. And they experienced, quote-unquote, the peace and security that the Roman Empire brought because they allowed the Romans to be, they allowed themselves to be under the authority of the Roman Empire. So that, of course, uh, came with some pros and cons. The pros would be that, you know, they weren't subjected to tax. I'm sure that a lot of you guys here would enjoy that benefit. They were able to mint their own coins, and they did not have that problem of stationing guards around the walls because the Roman troops did a good job protecting it. So they, experienced, they, they were enjoying their peace. There was like low to zero crime rate, and I'm sure that that would be the dream city. And as, as they enjoyed and respected their peace, they had very little tolerance for disturbances, for riots. They did not tolerate that. So, you know, and this city, it had mixed races. There were Romans, there were Greeks, there were Jews. There were actually a lot of Jews. That's why they had a synagogue in that place. And as, as we read uh, a parallel account in Acts chapter 17, we would see that when Paul visited the church in Thessalonica, he was actually able to preach in that synagogue for three consecutive Sabbaths. What did he share? He simply went back to the Old Testament, he read the scriptures, and he talked about Jesus Christ. How Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies in the Old Testament. How Jesus is the promised Messiah. How Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And instead of, and instead of thinking that the way to enter heaven, the way to receive righteousness would be to follow the laws, now Paul was saying that all we have to do is to put our faith in Jesus Christ because he has already fulfilled it for us. Now, when Paul spoke this message and he challenged the people to accept Jesus in their lives, there were a lot of people who responded and accepted Jesus. And they were different kinds of people. There were, again, Romans, Greeks, there were Jews. But there was a certain group that wasn't too happy about that as well. Guess which group? The very Jews who attended that synagogue. So as early as that time, there was already a power struggle and a tension in that church. And what these Jews did, they weren't happy because they were some of those um, old school religious Jews that, were, that had a works mentality. They wanted to work for their righteousness. They wanted to work for their salvation. That's why they did not appreciate Paul somehow setting the law aside and saying that it has already been fulfilled. So because they did not appreciate what Paul was teaching and they were somehow jealous of Paul because of the influence that he had with the people in Thessalonica, they started to, they started to plan against Paul and his companion Silas. What they did, they gathered the troublemakers in that city. They brought them together and they pitted them off against Paul and Silas. So... You know, eventually there became an argument, there was a, a, a disruption, there was a riot. So the Roman troops had to somehow intervene and to keep the safety of the place and at the same time for, to keep the peace of the place and to keep the safety of Paul and Silas, they had to move out of Thessalonica. And can you see the picture here? There were people who just gave their lives to Jesus. They weren't even deep in the word. There were a lot of things to be taught to them. But the very person who taught them was driven out of the city. That's why when Paul was driven out of the city, he continued his missionary travel, but he somehow left a part of him in Thessalonica. He was burdened. He was worried because these new Christians, these new believers were receiving the opposition and the persecution that they received. And if you are a new believer, if you shifted to, from idolatry to, in, to pagan gods, and you shifted to believing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are new in the faith, and you suddenly receive persecution from the people around, from your family, and from your friends, what would you do? You would probably go back to your old faith. You would probably go back to worshiping the pagan gods, the pagan idols, because, you know, I never really had opposition until I believed in Jesus Christ. So that was in the heart of Paul, and he somehow wanted to go back to encourage them, to strengthen them, to pray for them, to continue teaching them how to go about their lives now that they believe in Jesus Christ. Paul made a couple of attempts to go back, 
but to no avail. He did not succeed. And he said, you know, the enemy, Satan, is really trying to stop him from going back to Thessalonica. So instead of him going, he ended up sending one of his younger trainees, Timothy, to go back to Thessalonica. So Timothy went there. He was able to check out what was happening in the church. And he went back to report to Paul, one, some of the issues that the new believers in Thessalonica were struggling with. And these issues were mainly about the second coming and the afterlife. Paul discussed to them about resurrection, about Jesus coming back to, to get the believers and you know to bring, him, bring them to the kingdom of God. And the people in Thessal Thessalonica were asking, what happens to believers who die before Jesus Christ comes back? And they wanted to know as well, when is the exact time when Jesus would come back? Who among you here would want to find that out? That, it would be great if we knew, right? We could prepare accordingly. And, you know, after that, they asked, if Jesus comes back, you know, we have sinned against him. As believers, would we still receive his wrath? Very valid questions. So Paul, in response, wrote a letter to send to the Thessalonians, hence 1 Thessalonians. And he answered them, um, you know, those people who died before Jesus Christ comes back, the way Jesus Christ was resurrected would be the same way that they would be resurrected come the second coming. Regarding the exact date when Jesus would come, if you search it online, there are a lot of people who claim to know when the exact date and time is. I remember a time, a story from uh, Atito that during the 80s, they said that Jesus was already going to come back. That's why they sold all their belongings, or sold all their properties and, you know, up to this day, they have lost it. And, you know, so Paul said there is no exact way to know when Jesus would come back because he would come back like a thief in the night without anyone knowing it, without anyone expecting it. And with regards to his return, of course, we know that sinners would receive the wrath of God. That is the punishment. Sin, what we, what we sinners really deserve is death. So the people were asking, are we going to be recipients of that as well, even though we already started believing in Jesus Christ? Paul explained to them that Jesus Christ already received the death that was supposed to be the punishment for the sins of the believers, and Jesus Christ already received the wrath that was supposed to be targeted to the believers. So now, as we believe in Jesus Christ, we are given His righteousness, and all we, have, all we accept now is the love and the grace and the blessings that come from God through Jesus Christ. And Paul actually mentioned it in the, in the verses in uh, chapter 5, verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the heart of God to offer each and every one of us salvation, to offer each and every one of us eternal life. But here's the thing, we have to be careful because a lot of people think that because Jesus came and paid for our sins, that automatically all of mankind is saved and all of mankind has salvation. We have to be careful that we do not believe that because it is written in the Bible. One of the famous verses, John 3:16. what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The gift of salvation is free. The gift of eternal life is free, but it does not come automatically. There is something that we need to give. We have to believe in Jesus Christ. We have to believe that he has already finished everything that needs to be finished on the cross. We need to believe that he lived the life, the perfect life that we were supposed to live, and he received the death that we were supposed to receive. And as we believe in him, we receive forgiveness of sins, and not only that, we receive eternal life. It is no longer based on obeying the law. It is not based on our own good works. It is a free gift of God and He gives it freely to all, to those who choose to believe. So that is something that Paul shared. And, you know, he, as he was writing this letter, as he was explaining the, as he was explaining and teaching the Thessalonians about the issues that they asked about, Paul was not writing it with disappointment. Paul was not writing it, you know, out of obligation. He was writing it filled with joy, filled with thanksgiving in his heart. Why? Because along with the issues that Timothy reported, Timothy also reported that even though the Thessalonians had, you know, past pains, it was painful for you to hear the gospel, for you to believe in this leader, and for you to, you know, think that this leader would help me in my growth, and all of a sudden he was driven out. So that was painful for them. That was something of the past. 
that Paul abruptly left Thessalonica. And even in the midst of the present problems that they were experiencing, they were experiencing opposition, they were experiencing persecution, they did not have an easy life. And even in the midst of uncertainty of the future, not knowing what lies ahead, not knowing what lies in the afterlife, these Thessalonians did not waver in their faith. They continued to hold on to Jesus. They continued to hold on to the promises of God. And that was something to be celebrated. That was something that filled the heart of Paul with so much joy, knowing that these people continued to believe in Jesus Christ, continued to put their faith in Him amidst the sufferings around them. And you know, it makes you think, the Thessalonians were able to do this. Would we be able to respond like that in that kind of situation as well. As we look back at 2018, there were painful moments. Some of us, again, lost their jobs. Some of us lost family members. Some of us, um, you know, did not get the deals that we wanted. Some of us have broken relationships. A, lo a lot of things might have been taken away from us this 2018. Can we still continue to trust God even with those past pains? And even those of us who are facing challenges right now, those of us who are worried about the coming year, those of us who are worried about how am I going to pay my rent, those of us who are worried about how am I going to pay my child's tuition, I don't know where to get that money, or those of us you know, who are worried about what job we will get this coming year, would we be able to trust God even if we are, if we are facing all of these circumstances and we are uncertain about the future? Are we filled with fear or faith? And it makes us think, how were the Thessalonians able to do that? They were new in the faith. How were they able to respond with such faith? How were they able to hold on to the promises of God? And a lot of people would suggest, oh, maybe it was blind faith. Maybe they just chalked it up to chance and said, you know, if we think positive things, everything will be okay. Or probably, maybe that was how they were brought up. They were brought up well. They were brought up to obey. That's why it was very easy for them. Or some of us would think it was sheer willpower. No, I will continue to believe in God, whatever happens. Paul seems to think otherwise. Paul never said that the Thessalonians were able to respond that way because they were good or because they were strong or because they were intelligent or because they were a special group of people. Paul actually believes that the reason why they were able to stand, stand firm in their faith was because first and foremost, God chose them. God chose them to be his children, and in return, as he has chosen them, he has already prepared everything that they will ever need to stand firm in the faith, whatever circumstance they will face. As he illuminated them with the word, as he supplied them with the faith to believe, he supplied them with the faith to go on as well. And he says that in the opening chapter of Thessalonians. He says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, and 5, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. So Paul was saying the only reason why they were able to respond like that was because of the power of God that was at work in them. And I pray that that same power we would continue to avail, we would continue to use because I believe that each and every one of us here, it is not an accident that we are here. We are here because God has called us or is calling us into his family. And I pray that we would allow His Word really to sink down deep in our hearts, that it would not be just words that come in the other ear and, you know, exit the other ear, that we would really process all of these things. And these words that I am speaking, I pray that you would know that these words are not only coming from me, but really coming from God. And I believe that more than the words coming out of my mouth, I believe that His Spirit is at work among us and is touching the hearts of people. So I pray that if He is calling you today, that you would respond and not make Him wait. And, you know, this letter, as Paul has explained about the afterlife, as Paul has encouraged them, he continues to encourage them and strengthen them as the letter comes to a close. And he was saying amidst all of this persecution, he gave three commandments that came from God that they were to do. And these are beautiful commandments. Again, these are some of my favorite verses. He says, um, he, he encourages them to continue in love, faith, and hope. And as I was asking God what to entitled this year and preaching. I had a difficult time with this. I was asking God for days. And yesterday, as I was on my way home, I looked at the radio of my car and I saw a familiar button which says RPT. What does that mean? 
repeat. So I know that, you know, when you like a really good song and it makes you feel good, you, you, you press repeat and, then, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you continue to play it and play it and play it until you memorize it. And these verses are pretty much the same. These verses, these commandments that Paul gave or God gave through Paul, he gave for them to obey not only for that specific moment, he gave not only for people you know, to end the year right or to start the year right. He gave these commandments to be constantly repeated until it becomes part of our life. That's why the title of our preaching today is Repeat or RPT, which stands for Rejoice, Pray, Thank. Now, if you're going to remember anything in this preaching, I pray that this would be it. And I pray that you would not just remember it, but you would actually pray to be able to live it out. Again, let's say it together. Rejoice, pray, thank. Repeat. Rejoice, pray, thank, repeat. It is something that we will do every single day of our lives. Because you know, in truth, us people, we are very selfish. We are very entitled. And it is hard for us to rejoice, pray, and thank, even if the situation is okay. How much more when the situation is not okay? And we would learn more about oh, how Paul says that. But again, these Commandments are to be done not only during the beginning of the year, not only during the end of the year, but every single day of our lives. We go back to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says, rejoice when? Pray how? Give thanks when? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So Paul was very specific. He did not say, rejoice, pray, and give thanks when appropriate. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks when things are good. Rejoice, pray, give thanks when things are going your way. Rejoice, pray, give thanks when everything is awesome. He says, rejoice, pray, give thanks always, without ceasing, in all circumstances. Regardless if you are going through a rough time or a good time, regardless if your emotions dictate otherwise, we are to obey these commandments because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. Now, I know that it is an easy read. And in truth, it is easy to memorize. I'm sure that if I ask you to enumerate RPT, you would be able to do that now, right? What's RPT? Praise God. I pray that we get to remember that the whole year. It's easy to recall. It's easy to memorize. It's easy to read. But when it comes to obeying it, do you think it would be easy? Let's not kid ourselves. Even if there was only one commandment, the middle commandment, pray without ceasing, that's virtually impossible for us to follow. That's why a lot of people call these commandments the impossible commandments because it is impossible for us to do this all the time. How many of us here have decided, you know, to have that faith goal or New Year resolution saying, I would now pray regularly to God? And I would give you guys credit. Maybe we get through the first week, but then come the second week, you know, you miss it. You miss, uh, you miss one certain prayer time and then, you know, it just goes on and on and on. You forget. And it's really hard for us to obey this. And you know, but God does not give commandments that we cannot obey. And in truth, we would not succeed here if it were only up to us, if we trusted in ourselves, if, we, if the effort came from only us. But the secret lies in the last verse, this, the clue of how to be able to obey all of these things. We have to be in who? In Christ Jesus. We will only be able to rejoice, pray, and give thanks if we are in Christ Jesus. If we know and understand God's love through Christ Jesus. Because it is through the love of Christ Jesus, it is through what He has done that we somehow have an eternal perspective of things. We go beyond what we are currently going through because we know that on the cross, Jesus Christ already won the victory, not only over death, but over every single circumstance, every single challenge, every single trial that we will ever face. That is why we can rejoice, give thanks, and we can pray. But then again, it is easier said than done. We really need to ask for the help of God to be able to do all of these things. And you know, life in the world is hard. And you know, you heard this in Miss Universe. Life is hard and poor. And you know, we have to teach ourselves how to be grateful and to see the beauty in things and to see the silver lining in every situation. And a lot of us do that. We try to see the silver lining. It's raining. Oh, at least it's cool. Oh, oh, I lost my phone. Oh, at least I get to buy a new one. 
You know, we try, and, but eventually, if we seek the silver lining apart from Jesus Christ, we would end up disappointed. We would end up thinking, you know, I'm just crazy making excuses for bad things that happen and I'm tired of it. Because the real silver lining is not found in material things. The real silver lining is not found in events. The real silver lining is Jesus Christ. He is the only hope that we have. He is that light at the end of the tunnel. No matter how dark and, and lonely the things we are going through are, we know that at the end of it all, Jesus promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And we know that through Jesus Christ, we would spend eternity without any problems, without any tears, complete, nothing missing, nothing broken, through Jesus Christ. He is our silver lining. And you know, again, we can only rejoice, pray, and give thanks when we have an eternal perspective and a, show, a, a hope that we will surely have victory in the end. And you know, we can trust that we will have this because we know that our God is sovereign. He is in control of things. Even if things seem to be spinning out of control, we know that He is in control. He holds everything in His hands. And not only that, this amazing, powerful, sovereign God is a God who is not distant from us. He is a God who loves each and every one of us. And if there is anyone here who questions the love that God has for you, again, remember that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to pay for the sins that you could not pay for, that we could not pay for. He sent Jesus Christ to ensure that we would have a shot at spending eternity with Him. And for all of us who are saying, you know, I've been trying to reach out to God for the longest time, before you tried reaching out to God, He first reached out to us. He came down from heaven to earth and took the form of man to show us how much He loves us. So please do not base your, your thinking whether God loves you or not on the situations that you are facing. Base it on the truth of the Word of God. And, you know, knowing and experiencing God's love through Jesus Christ is the only way that we can obey all of these commandments. So let's start with the first one. It says there, rejoice always. So how do you think rejoice always looks like? It's easy to rejoice. You know, rejoice usually is tied up with clapping or dancing or jumping or shouting, fist pumps. You know, and it's easy to rejoice when your favorite team wins. Like, yeah. Or it's easy to rejoice when you get the promotion. You invite everyone. Come on, come to my house. Let's party. I'm going to treat all of you guys. It's easy to rejoice when you have a new relationship or you're getting married. There are a lot of parties that you're, surprise parties that your friends plan out. But what if you're going through a rough time? How can you rejoice if your spouse left you on Christmas Day? How can you rejoice if, the pers if your landlord is knocking on your door and you don't have anything for rent and you are going to be evicted already? Will you say, yes, we're going to be evicted. Yes, buti na lang, nag-impakin ako. Or, you know, your house is burning and you're saying, yeah, yeah, rejoice the way rejoice. Is that what rejoicing always looks like? Yes, wala na ako ng cellphone. Yes, may sakit ako. God did not call us to be crazy. He did not call us to be delusional. So I don't think that's what rejoice always means. If we go back to the dictionary, rejoice actually means to feel or show great delight or joy. So it can be shown or it can be felt. Rejoicing. Rejoicing always goes beyond what we do physically. It is more of a state of heart. Rejoicing always, you know, um, rejoicing always is being content, and being thankful that God is continually working in our lives and that He still cares for each and every one of us. And you know, a lot of people say, so believers should never feel sad. We should never cry. You know, even though I'm grieving, should they put a smile on my face and say, yeah, I'm okay, I'm perfectly okay. But tears are falling out. Oh no, I, I can't cry because it's a sin. It goes against the rejoice always command. That's not the point. We are looking at it the wrong way because even the writer of this, Paul, in his other letters said that he was sorrowful. And even Jesus wept, right? So it's okay for us to feel sad, but, you know, rejoicing means having hope, believing that we will not be stuck in this current situation, believing that somehow we know that God will pull us through out of this situation, Rejoicing is not just feeling happy and celebrating. It is delighting in God and how He is at work in our lives. It is 
rejoicing in the hope that Jesus Christ, who paid for our sins, will eventually come back and fulfill every single promise that God gave to each and every one of us. And when we talk about trials and challenges, we go back to James 1, 2 to 4. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of different kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God uses trials for our good as well. He allows it. Because in truth, when everything is happy, happy, when everything is good, honestly, do we go to God? When everything is going good, there's a tendency for us to forget Him. And it is during the times of trial, it is during the times of testing that we remember Him, that we go back to Him and we fix our eyes on Him. And as we fix our eyes on Him, we begin to, you know, we begin to see and experience the love that He has always been pouring out on us. We might have been oblivious or we might have thought that it was just something that, you know, is normal, but in truth, that is the love that we don't deserve, but He continues to give freely. So we praise God because it is through trials and challenges that actually His light shines the brightest. It is there that we get to know Him in a better and a deeper way. That's why we can rejoice. And we know that these trials, again, will not last forever. If you are struggling, know that God is not done yet. And we know that at the end of it all, we will have that wonderful, beautiful life not because we have everything, all the material things that we ask for, but because we can spend eternity with Him and that compares to nothing else. We might say, you know, Paul was crazy. I don't think Paul was able to do that. Why would he write things that he could not do? Let's go back to the account of Paul. Paul preached boldly, even in areas that the gospel was not supposed to be preached. And that, ended, that usually made him end up in prison. Paul ended up in prison a couple of times and there was this time when Paul was with Silas and they were brought to prison. And you know, for example, you, you obeyed God, you went to the nations, you preached the gospel and you ended up in jail. What would be the thoughts that would go through your mind? Lord, why did you allow that? I was only obeying you. You didn't even protect me. How can I trust you? Or, you know, Lord, why? Why am I here in this prison? If this is the life that I'm going to live, I don't want to follow you anymore. Those are lies that the enemy plants in our minds. But Paul, on the other hand, instead of you know, looking at his current situation and thinking that, that that would be the end all be all, he saw it as just one of the humps and bumps that he would have in this journey towards fulfilling his ultimate purpose for, that God has given him. And you know, while they were in prison, instead of ranting, instead of whining, what Paul did was they sang praises to God. And as they were singing praises, the people in the prison, the prisoners were blessed and they were wondering how come this guy responds differently. And the jail guard eventually ended up being blessed as well. And that's what happens when we rejoice even through trying times. We get to bless God. In turn, we receive His blessings. And not only that, as other people look at us, they are blessed as well. Because as we, as we are experiencing the tough times, as we look to God, we are somehow pointing them to God. And, and it is a wonderful and fragrant aroma of worship that happens and it somehow, you know, it somehow creates that interest in other people. I want to meet that God as well if this is how much that person trusts Him. So let's remember, we can always rejoice in Jesus who came to secure our eternal joy. Whatever your circumstance is, we can always rejoice. Do not limit yourself to seeing what your, human, your normal eyes, physical eyes could see. Ask God to open the eyes of your heart and to ask Him to show you the way that He is moving in that situation so that we could be able to respond appropriately. Second, pray without ceasing. What does praying without ceasing look like? Does it mean that we are always in church with our hands folded and kneeling down and, you know, closing our eyes and praying and praying and praying? And when we need to take a bath, we're like, you know, Lord, you know, Lord. And when we need to eat, you're still praying. Is that what praying without ceasing looks like? Or do we have to start this whole 24-hour prayer chain so that the whole church will not stop praying? Oh, you're, it's your turn. I'm done. I already prayed for an hour. Let's do this collectively. Is it that? If that is the picture of prayer in our minds, then we have a, 
a wrong understanding of what prayer really is. Because prayer does not require you to be in a certain place or in a certain position or posture. does not require you to close your eyes. Prayer is simply conversing with God. Having, a commun having communication with Him, talking to Him. And, you know, praying without ceasing does not mean that we pray unbroken or 24-7 without interruption. Praying without ceasing means being constantly aware of the presence of God in our lives. Knowing that He is watching over us, knowing that wherever we are, He is there. Knowing that, you know, He always listens to us and always hears us. A picture of, you know, being... Having that posture of praying without ceasing is like having an open line. I know of people who, you know, chat with their family members abroad and even when they're about to sleep, they leave FaceTime on just so they can see each other or talk to each other any time of the night. And that's pretty much what it means to pray without ceasing. Prayer does not need to be super formal. Prayer could simply be you in the Jeep and saying, Lord, please help me throughout the day. Amen. It does not need to be long. Actually, the best way to jumpstart our prayer life is to just, you know, to, to do short, simple prayers. Lord, thank you for this day. Help me at work. Amen. Longer prayers are not entirely more powerful than simple prayers because at the end of the day, more than the words that we say, God looks at our hearts. You can pray verbally or in your mind, but the important thing is that our hearts are engaged. And prayer does not only mean that we do all the talking. Lord, I want this. Lord, give me new shoes. Lord, I want to go to Japan. Lord, uh, give me a raise. Lord, give me a promotion. Lord, uh, uh, you know, just keep asking. Lord, give me a new gadget. Lord, uh, give me everything I want. It's not just that. Prayer would be boring if it, would, if it were just a one-way conversation and just us treating God like an ATM machine. Maybe that's where a lot of people fail. That's where I failed before. Because when I did prayer, I was doing all the talking. Again, prayer is a conversation. It is two-way. That is why if we want to pray without ceasing, it is important that we partner it with reading the Word of God. A lot of us say, I don't hear from God. The question is, do you open your Bible? Do we even have a Bible? And you know, it's good that we hear the Word every Sunday but if we are speaking, you know, honestly, the Word of God is something that we need every day more than bread. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, and that comes from the Word of God. So I encourage everyone, please, as you, as you continue to pray to God, we are going to jumpstart the year with our fasting season. It does not mean that, you know, you'll just go on a hunger strike to force God to give you what you want. Fasting is more. That's why we say prayer and fasting because it needs to be hand in hand with each other. We pray, we seek God, and as we receive His word, we declare His word in our lives. Prayer is the place where we declare His promises, where we claim His promises, where we declare His direction for our life. That is what praying without ceasing means. In other translations, they say pray continually, but both actually translate to a Greek word that is usually related to a cough to a persistent cough. So when you have a cough, do you cough without interruption? Do you say, <laughs> you'd be dead in two minutes. When you have a cough, it is there, but there are frequent intervals. So that's what praying without ceasing means. It means praying frequently, praying persistently, not giving up on our prayers. And we have the confidence that all of our prayers are heard by God. He not only listens, but He will answer in His perfect time. We only need to be patient. Again, our lives are not solely dependent on us. It is dependent on God. He is our creator and He is the one who is sovereign. So I pray that we would continue to you know, pray, allow God to transform our minds, allow God to transform our hearts in prayer. As we pray, we don't pray with the posture of demanding from God. As we pray, we acknowledge, Lord, I cannot do anything apart from you. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. We remember that we are nothing compared to this great and wonderful God. And I believe that will set the tone as we live our lives, we would be able to live according to His purposes and not forcing our own purposes. And again, it is easier said than done. Um, 
How do we jumpstart our prayer life? Try short, frequent prayers. Don't forget to pray when you eat. Um, and, you know, surround, surround yourself with people who pray as well so that you can learn from them, develop that vocabulary when it comes to prayer. And feel free to talk to God anywhere. How does praying without ceasing look like? When you wake up in the morning, you know, thank you, God, for this wonderful day. Thank you that I woke up on time. Help me, O Lord God, help me today as I work. Then you go to the dining table, Lord, thank you for the food that I am about to eat. Amen. You know, you don't necessarily need to be, oh, sanctify this, oh, Lord, oh, bless this food, this wonderful and amazing. It does not need to be, you know, oh, a prayer. There is a time and a place for that. But if you are growing your prayer life, Short, simple prayers will do. As you are riding in traffic, Lord, thank you so much for your protection. Protect my car. Allow me to arrive at work safely when you arrive at work. Lord, give me the patience to, you know, understand my workmates who don't do their jobs. I pray that my boss would be in a good mood today. And, you know, at the end of the day, Lord, thank you that I was able to reach 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. without getting scolded at. Thank you that I was able to meet my deadlines. And as you are going home, as you are about to sleep, Lord, thank you for that wonderful day. I would not have been able to do everything without you. Bless me as I sleep. Watch over me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That is what praying without ceasing looks like. And I pray that that is something that we would do. Again, I encourage you to do that. And I encourage you to learn how to listen from God. Again, he, we are not the only one who does the talking. He does the talking. And it is going to be a wonderful time that each and every one of us would enjoy. We can always pray to God, confident that He listens and that He will answer in whose name? In Jesus' name. We get to rejoice always in Jesus. We get to pray always in Jesus. And finally, we give thanks in all circumstances. I think this is where we will really have a hard time. Because again, when you're faced with difficult situations, when you get fired at work, how will you be able to thank God? When your bonus does not arrive on time, how will you be able to thank God? When you are stuck in traffic and you are late for a meeting, how will you be able to thank God? When you are starving and you don't have anything, you don't have money to buy food, how will you be able to thank God? It is easy to thank God, again, when we are successful. There are, always two, there are always two choices when it comes to what we will do when we are faced with a certain circumstance. We can, all, we can choose to re respond in gratitude or, in, gra or in, in gratitude. We could choose to respond in worship or with whining. We can choose to respond with thanksgiving or we can choose to respond with complaining. And lack of gratitude... If we choose the latter, it is a reflection of our sinful nature. A lot of us would say, come on, it's the normal thing to do. Of course, when something bad happens, you get disappointed. You get annoyed. You whine. Yes, it's the normal thing to do because we have a sinful nature. But God calls us, again, to give thanks in all circumstances. This is His will for us. It is not His will for us to, you know, um, resent life or be disappointed or whine all of the time. It is His will for us to always see the good, to always appreciate the little, even the littlest of things in life because if we continue, you know, ranting, it would make life hard and depressing. It is not what God has purposed for each and every one of us. I'm sure a lot of us here, all of us, would want to live lives filled with joy. Yes? If we want to live lives filled with joy, we have to choose to have an attitude of gratitude. We need to choose to be thankful. We need to find things that we can be thankful for. And you know, it's pretty hard for us people because again, we are selfish. We somehow have entitlement. Oh Lord, you know, I've been really good. I deserve, I deserve blessings. I deserve a promotion, you know. That person is doing dirty things, but you know, I, I have been doing my work honoring you. So how come he was the one who got the promotion instead of me? I don't think you love me. I don't think prayer works. That is what happens when we are somehow entitled. We cannot give thanks. And sometimes we, most of the time, there are things that we take for granted. Do we even stop to thank God for the air that we breathe, for the clothes that we have in our cabinets, for the shoes that we are wearing? Have we stopped to thank God for our family members? Even though, you know, we are at odds most of the time, that family member is a blessing. That family member for sure contributes something. 
it is important for us to always decide to be thankful. Again, it is not something that happens automatically. It is a battle that is won with intentionality. Even before the situation presents itself, you are already saying, Lord, whatever happens, whatever comes my way, I will give thanks. There will always be something to be thankful for. You know, um, you're probably thinking, how can I thank God when I lose my job, when that door is closed? If you are short-sighted and if you are, you know, just thinking about your own plans, you would think, God does not love me. God allowed me to be in this situation. God is punishing me. But if we ask God for wisdom and we have an eternal perspective and know that He is sovereign, why don't we stop and think that maybe the reason why the Lord closed this opportunity for me or fired me from this job is because He wants to lead me somewhere else. It's because He wants to lead me to the path that He really set out for me. Maybe my season in that company is done and He wants me to learn new things in another company. But if you do not have an attitude of gratitude, if you do not have that trust in our sovereign God, you would end up resenting life. You would end up, you know, locking yourself up in your room and, you know, filling your body with so much alcohol that, you know, you end up useless. And that is because, again, we are entitled. We did not thank God. And when it comes to, you know, it's so hard to adapt this this mindset, it's so hard to adapt this habit of thanking God. This is actually a spiritual discipline. Discipline because it is hard. We need to intentionally keep choosing it even if it does not feel natural for us until it becomes a habit, until it becomes second nature, until it becomes like breathing. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And you know, when it comes to giving thanks in all circumstances, it, the, the starting point of all of that, it's two realities. One, human rebellion, and two, the sacrifice of an innocent man, and that was Jesus Christ. We can walk around thinking that I deserve everything that I have, but in truth, we do not deserve anything. I don't care if you worked hard for that. I don't care if you, you know, sacrificed a lot of your time to be able to get that promotion. No one in this world deserves that. Because in truth, because of our rebellion, because we chose to sin against God, we only deserve one thing, and that is death. But our God is so great. Our God is so loving. Instead of showing us His wrath, instead of giving us that death, what did He give us? He gave us His best, His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Something that we will never, ever deserve, no matter how good you are, no matter how mon much money you give to the offering. We will never ever deserve Jesus Christ. And it is through Jesus Christ that the punishment of our human rebellion was paid for. Our guilt was paid for by His grace. And once we understand the way that that guilt was paid for by this grace, abounding grace, grace that we will never ever deserve, the natural response would be gratitude. If we truly understand how much God loves each and every one of us, we do not need to force ourselves, you know, to, to obey these commandments as if it were an obligation, as, it, as if it were a magic formula that we would do so that we would be blessed. It would be a natural response to this God who loves us so much. Again, as I come to a close, we could not do this on our own. We need to do this with God. We need to abide in Him. We need to pray. We need to pray without ceasing so that He would be able to empower us to do all of these things. And... Today, I would not leave you with one-liners that are rhyming and that are easy to remember. I would just leave you with the Word of God. And I pray the same way that this encouraged and strengthened the Thessalonian people would be the same way that it would encourage and direct us as this year comes to a close and as we open a new year. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I know I'm running a bit over time, but this is just going to be quick. I started sharing to you that I had a hard time crafting my Thanksgiving post because the biggest thing that happened to me was the death of my brother. But if I have an eternal perspective, I would know not to look at that as death, but I would look at it as the blessing of life. You know, in his final hours, I had the boldness, I had the audacity to tell my brother, you know, if it's already too much for you, you can go. 
And it might seem like a crazy thing to say. But I said that filled with confidence in my heart. Because through that six and a half months of, you know, him struggling and fighting against cancer, I saw how he held on to God. I saw how every day God showed his faithfulness. I showed how God really give, gave him comfort, gave him strength. And I am thankful. Some people would say, God prolonged his suffering six and a half months. Imagine that. I am thankful because those six and a half months were months that we spent quality time with my brother. Those were six and a half months that he was able to go back to the Lord, that he was able to hold on to God and his promises. And that is why I could say with all of my heart and with peace in my heart to ask him to, you know, if it's too much, go. Already go because I know that you will be with God for eternity. And that is something that we can always be thankful for. If you cannot find anything else in your life to be thankful for, remember that the only reason why you are facing problems is first and foremost because you have been given life. Something that we owe to God, something that we do not deserve. And as He has given us life, again, He not only gives us life in this world, He gives us life eternal. And I pray that as we look back at all of these things, that even if we lost things, even if we lost people, we would always look to the greatest blessing that will overshadow all of the disappointment, all, all of the pain. And that is having Jesus Christ in our lives. Nothing will ever compare to that. Because having Him in our lives assures us that we will have the victory up to the very end. As I come to a close, I would just like to pray for a couple of people. And I just request you to bow down your heads and to close your eyes. The only way that we can rejoice, give thanks, and pray without ceasing is for us, first and foremost, to understand the love that God has for us. And today, He offers each and every one of us that love. Today, He offers us more than love. He offers us forgiveness of sins. He offers us eternal life. If you are here and you are saying, I want to experience that love, I want to receive that eternal life, all you have to do is to invite Jesus Christ in your life. If you're saying, Lord, I want you in my life right now, with all heads bowed down and all eyes closed, all you have to do is to lift up your hand. You don't have to be shy. Don't think of the people around you. This is your moment with God. This is between you and Him. And this is the greatest decision that you will ever be faced with. Receiving Jesus Christ, receiving eternal life. The day of salvation is today. Do not delay it any longer. If God is touching your heart, if He's calling you into a relationship with Him, if you want to invite Him in your life, why don't you just lift up your hand right now? Praise God, the Lord sees that hand. Thank you for that hand. Last call. I do not want you to miss receiving the greatest blessing, the greatest gift that you can ever receive in your life. Only you can make decision. this decision. I cannot make this for you. If you want to invite Jesus Christ into your life, at the count of three, just lift up your hand. One, two, three. If you're one of those people that, you, that lifted up your hands, you can put your hands down now and I want you to look at me. We are going to invite Jesus Christ into our lives. And all it takes is a simple prayer. Again, as we pray this prayer, I pray that these words would not just be thrown out into the wind, but these words would be directed towards God and our hearts would really be open to allowing Him to enter. Can you just say these words after me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love for a sinner like me. Thank you for coming down to pay for my sins. I believe that you died and on the third day you rose again, giving the gift of forgiveness and salvation to everyone who would choose to believe. I receive those gifts and I receive you in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Can we just praise God for that? If it was your first time to pray that prayer, kindly come to me after the service. I would like to pray with you. I would like to explain to you the decision that you have made. And now I'd like to pray for another group of people. Just bear with me. If you are, say, if you are currently facing a challenging situation and you are having a hard time thanking God, you are having a hard time rejoicing, you are having a hard time thanking God because it's just too overwhelming, all we have to do is to ask for His help. 
All we have to do is to ask Him to open our eyes and open our hearts. If that is you, if you are saying, Lord, I want to praise you and I want to worship you even through this trying time, just lift up your hand so I can pray for you. Lord, you see the hands of your people. You see the hands of your children. And Lord, I am thankful because even in the midst of these challenging times, they still have that desire, that heart to honor you, that heart to worship you. And I pray that as they are lifting up their hands right now as a sign of surrender, Lord, that you would meet them where they are right now. Lord, be the one to open their eyes and see how you are moving in their lives. Lord, I pray that you infuse faith. I pray that you infuse hope. I pray even that you remind them of the times when you you helped them through church challenging and tough times in the past and as they continue to praise you and thank you for those times it would fill their hearts with so much faith and Lord they would be able to respond through these situations with rejoicing in their hearts knowing that they are not defeated knowing that they are victims but in truth they are conquerors because of you Jesus Christ continue to strengthen them and Lord I thank you because I know that as they are going through these trying times it will be a wonderful experience for them as they fix their eyes on you. They would be able to see your beauty. They would be able to see your power and experience truly how it is to be fathered by the greatest father in the world. And that is you, God. Once again, thank you even for the strength that you're infusing in their hearts right now. Bless them. Bless them as they honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know we're a bit over time. It's the end of the year though. And I believe that with all the great things that God has done for us, and in our lives. He deserves worship. So I'd like to invite everyone to stand up. Let's continue to fix our eyes on God. Let's continue to open our hearts to Him, lift up our hands to Him, and give Him the right worship that He deserves.